0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in.
1: From the book of Matthew today, chapter 9, it goes something like this. In getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples came to John, to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wineskin put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and it is so both preserved.
0: We're walking through some chapters in Matthew, and the sort of approach, the framework for us is just to think about the portrait of Jesus that Matthew gives us in these opening chapters. And so we're not looking at every verse, we sort of tried to take us, you know, just a walk through these chapters. We sat with some similar stories last week in Matthew chapter 8, a series of miracles, and, uh, and then we pick up. Uh, In Matthew chapter nine, with another similar thing, several things happening here, and we're going to try to hold them all together rather than sort of dive deeply into any one of them in particular. It's a uh, maybe a stretch, but uh, uh, a feeling in this passage to me reminds me of a scene from Parks and Recreation. Um, My children, we were hanging out. They have some cousins their age. They live in Georgia, and we were together at Thanksgiving. And somewhere in that conversation, I don't know why, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my sister-in-law, my cousin's mother, but a thing they do is when they see the police, they, the family in the car, they're like, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious, suspicious, right, or whatever, which is a scene from Parks and Rec, you guys remember, I think it's the Saperstein siblings, I don't know if I said that correctly, but they're trying to like sneak out of a graveside funeral, and they, they're like, you know, obviously very suspicious, <laughs> Uh, And I think uh, the tone of this passage to me, the reaction of people in the stories, of some of the people in the stories to what Jesus is doing is is viewing him with suspicion, right? That the way in which he is engaging the people in these stories feels, as Matthew gives it to us, a bit suspicious. So what what we have here, I told you it was a loose connection, but I went for it uh, anyway. What we have here are three sort of somewhat disparate Episodes, right? We have a healing of a of a paralytic who can't even bring himself to Jesus. We have a moment where Jesus calls Matthew to follow him as a disciple, this sort of seminal moment in Matthew's life and a well-known scene. And then we have a conversation with some of John the Baptist's disciples who was on the pages of the story much earlier, but a conversation with these disciples about fasting, about the sort of proper attitude and spirit of those who will sort of pursue the kingdom. Of God, and, and we want to hold all of these episodes together, and I think hearing them together, they'll contribute to a singular picture of Jesus, specifically as the one who forgives sins, right? So uh, if you're if you, taking notes is a thing you, you like to do, really, that's what we're aiming at this morning, is to suggest, I'm suggesting that each of these episodes draws us into a singular truth, that is that mercy and forgiveness are anchored in Jesus's authority, not in our performance. All right, so this is the way we're gonna do it. First, we're gonna consider a common theme, which we've already tipped, I've already tipped my hand here, is forgiveness and mercy in the life of Jesus. Then we're gonna consider a common reaction, which uh, in this episode is the suspicion of folks who are caught up in these stories, the surprise, the disbelief, there's a, there's an an incredulity, I don't know if that's even a word, there's like, what is this guy doing here, right, there's that common reaction that I think still persists in our own hearts, and then we'll finish with what I hope is good news, right, the good news, that mercy and forgiveness are anchored in Jesus and not in your or my Performance. So that first sort of move, a common theme in this passage, these three, you know, seemingly unrelated episodes is that Jesus's ministry is characterized by forgiveness. And I know what you're thinking, like whatever our relationship to church, you're like, despite my experiences of church in the world and all of its varied, you know, perhaps broken expressions even in my own life this is not a surprise we know this right like this is not new Jesus was about forgiveness he was the guy who said love enemies we know those things despite sort of our experience with perhaps you know organizations institutions people associated with him but it's worth repeating What characterized Jesus's life and ministry among the real people with whom he lived and rubbed shoulders was mercy and forgiveness. Even toward the religious ones, the folks who received his strongest words, there was an invitation to to trust him. Interestingly, in each of these episodes, it's his merciful posture that is central in Matthew's telling. So a healing a call to discipleship and a conversation with, with John's disciples about fasting, all of them draw us back to the theme of, of, of mercy and forgiveness in his life, in Jesus' life. In the first episode, Jesus heals a paralytic. He forgives him. And in that moment, this guy experiences healing. Healing. In the second, right, Jesus expresses forgiveness. He's he's with Matthew and and his disreputable friends. And in this moment of mercy and forgiveness, we discover like Matthew is, is called. He is drawn into a life of following Jesus. And then in the last episode, a conversation with John's disciples in light of the fact that Jesus is merciful and forgiving, John's disciples are invited to rejoice right? They're drawn into, Jesus pulls them into the reality that experiencing the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God leads to joy. These moves, I think, we see them in each episode. Healing, as we saw last week, it's kind of a foretaste of, of the things we've sung about today, that one day everything will be put right, and that However, good things might be in your life, or broken. There is the reality that the world in which we live—we have experienced it this week—is—is—is is, is broken and damaged, and there there is an ache for hope, for things to be made and put right. And you get the sense that in this experience of this paralyzed man experiencing forgiveness, but but healing as a result is is a is a it's 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 a foretaste, a hint, a, an anticipation of what will happen in in a fuller sense. Sin will be unraveled and all of its rippling effects. But then in the calling of Matthew, we find not only like healing is a part of forgiveness that we find in Jesus, but uh, as, as Matthew's calling is explicitly tied to this experience of forgiveness as well. Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, he tells the religious onlookers. Learn what this means. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And wrapped up in this move is this sort of, um, is the truth that when we experience the forgiveness of God and Jesus and his mercy, we're drawn into a life of following. Our hearts are now open. There is this invitation. There is life here, and we are pulled into, drawn, invited to follow this way. And then again, lastly, not just healing and and discipleship or calling, but rejoicing. Joy is a part of this experience. Joy, as John's disciples are reminded by Jesus that the work of forgiveness is cause for celebration, right? They're like, they're confused, they're like, Jesus, John's disciples, man, they fast, they're penitent, they're, there's, there's uh, brokenness there, and there's earnestness, there's religious observance and devotion. Isn't this what it should look like? And Jesus is like, yes, those things have their place, but in the presence of forgiveness and mercy, there is reason to rejoice. All of these things were were drawn into what is a central theme in Jesus' life and ministry. And one that I think, again, is worth repeating. That what characterized his life, who he was as a person, and the way he interacted with the people in his life was mercy and forgiveness. A posture of merciful forgiveness toward sinners. I read something this week uh about i was looking up some stuff about the super bowl commercials and the halftime show and i I had something caught my eye about the alicia keys performance you guys that uh that her she cracked the note uh at the beginning of her performance um that that uh uh, there was a voice crack right at the sort of I think it was the first one. She's on the piano. I can't remember, but you can watch the video side by side. And and what happened was the NFL's organization, their YouTube channel, and then I think whatever the broadcasting space, they scrubbed it from like the record. So when you go and watch it now, and you can watch both of them side by side, it's not it's not there. It's like a perfect note, which is interesting. It's not a surprise, right? That doesn't that is not a surprise. But I did think it was interesting because what Jesus does in these episodes is he doesn't like scrub what is broken in each of these places. And there is a move in scripture. God removes sin as far as the east is from the west. That is a move that happens. His forgiveness is like that. But he doesn't just like scrub it as if it never happened. He he looks it square in the face. The brokenness of these people and your and my brokenness. He looks it square in the face, admits it, acknowledges it, and still forgives, still responds in mercy, right? Still looks at the stuff you try to cover up and cover over and filter, right? All of that stuff, right? The the kind of person Jesus was was the kind of person that looked at you, saw through all of that, saw all the voice cracks in your life, right? All the things, He, he saw all of that. He didn't pretend it wasn't there. He sees it and still he's merciful and forgiving, and the, an experience of that, as we see in these episodes, draws us into a changed life. So that's the first observation, a common, uh, a common theme in the passage in Jesus' life is mercy and forgiveness. But these episodes, I think they draw us into a second sort of theme, the second observation we want to make this morning. They, they remind us sort of how scandalous this move is, that in each instance of, of Jesus' expression of mercy and forgiveness paralyzed man, to Matthew and his friends, even in his conversation with John's disciples. His ministry of mercy and forgiveness is met with either suspicion or surprise, right? It's a common reaction to Jesus's ministry. I think the first thing we notice is they're surprised in the first episode that Jesus forgives at all. That he forgives at all is problematic, Right? The religious leaders are looking on. Jesus responds to this broken, physically broken man and says your sins are forgiven and their reaction is visceral. Right? The religious leaders, their reaction is visceral. This is blasphemy. Right? What you are claiming to do is off the charts, blasphemous because only God forgives sins. So the fact that... Just the fact of his forgiveness at all is a problem here. You can feel them asking the question: Who, who does this guy think he is? A feeling you maybe have, I have, all sorts of of, of feelings. Perhaps we have in our relationship to faith, or preachers, even, or or our experience of of the Christian faith. Man, who does he think he is? Right, that he forgives at all is problematic. And I wonder, I wonder if sometimes we don't have a similarly visceral response, but maybe for slightly different reasons. I I think sometimes, I don't know, I won't speak for all of you, but I'll offer perhaps an experience that maybe you have had, but that when we hear of the forgiveness of Jesus, that Jesus forgives sins, that forgiveness is on offer from this man, Jesus, that lots of people talk about and seem to follow. I think sometimes we react in a, in a likewise manner, like, what, who, who does he think he is suggesting that I need forgiveness? Right, just, just the implication, right, that you would suggest that I, that I even need forgiveness is, is an affront to sort of my sense of what, what, I, what is good in my life. We are scandalized, perhaps for slightly different reasons, but in a very similar way by the very fact that Jesus would say to anyone your sins are forgiven we feel it culturally religiously our response like these guys is how dare you right how dare you but it's not just that he forgives sins that's problematic it's who Jesus forgives that's in the second episode Jesus with Matthew and his tax collector friends which comes with all sorts of baggage in the context of the New Testament and yet in this moment Jesus responds in mercy and says why you know they're they're equally surprised and affronted like your teacher eats with tax collectors and sinners we started with like who does he think he is who who do you think you are jesus and here we move on to like what do you think you're doing right like how dare you forgive but then how could you forgive these people even if we concede the first point jesus forgiveness is on offer okay i'll grant you that You've clearly missed the boat about who the intended objects of this forgiveness should be, right? You, you've clearly missed the, the, the point that we know to be true that mercy is for the deserving or at the very least the trying. And as we'll see in the next point, Jesus sort of turns all of that on its head. His mercy and forgiveness doesn't play by those rules. And I think, again, we feel the pull of this assumption at play in our own lives, Right in Jesus's case, the implication was like, Jesus, man, I don't know what, 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 who, how could you? Don't you know that sin is a more powerful contagion? And Jesus says, No, my forgiveness and my life are the more powerful contagion here. It's a season in the life of the church that we call Lent, and in many streams of the church, it's a season when we remember our sort of frailty. Our humanity, our mortality, but also our sinfulness. And one of the prayers of this season uh, in the life of the church says this, Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted in the desert by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And then this phrase, and as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save the implication here is that we are all numbered in that group of Matthew's uh, companions. And Jesus looks at all of that and still in his mercy responds with forgiveness. So again, not just that he forgives or who he forgives, but the last episode we see it's also how that is problematic. We caught hints of it in this interaction with Matthew's friends and the religious leaders, but it's made explicit in this conversation here. The assumption at work in the conversation with John's disciples um, and the reaction of the religious leaders with with Matthew and his friends is that forgiveness and mercy ought to be preceded by an appropriate amount of penance and, and religious observance of earnestness. That mercy and forgiveness are reserved for the deserving, at the very least the trying, and they are contingent upon the performance of those who would seek it. Right? The question is, well, I okay, I get it. I'll grant that you forgive. And you know, that's fine, but but your forgiveness certainly comes with necessary prerequisites. Right? The joy of mercy and forgiveness that are on offer here are certainly bought at the price of your appropriate level of, of penance. And Jesus in this moment says, Well, actually, no, it's not quite the way. You think our question at this moment is Jesus, how could you possibly do it this way? Why would you work this way? And yet Jesus says, I, I spend my mercy and forgiveness on whom I will. All the other stuff will follow. It's why, as a church, you've seen slides for an organization called Exodus Cry. You heard uh, a month or two ago from Stephanie Evans and her work in our community, and many of you are participating, stepping into that space with her to serve places in our community that are broken and in need of, of mercy and forgiveness and life and, and grace. It's why we create gift bags for, we created gift bags for her to take. It, it's the spirit of this move from Jesus that says his mercy and grace are, are on offer before any expectation in this sense of a, an appropriate level of penitence, which raises the question for you and me, where do we feel the pull of this assumption as well? How is Jesus's forgiveness an affront to this tendency in our own lives? I think it invites you and me to a more honest view of ourselves, but also a more gracious view of others, particularly in a world where that turn towards the other is a fraught one and culturally full of anger and, and so many other emotions that you wouldn't associate with the person or the personality of Jesus as we meet him in this, these episodes. And yet here we're reminded that what characterized his life was his mercy and forgiveness And that, even though it's an affront and a surprise to us so often, it is in fact good news. Right? Jesus says to them and to you and to me that forgiveness is mine to give, not yours to earn. Let me. Just say that again. Maybe you have come with all sorts of like cultural or, or, or previous experiences of what Christian faith might feel or look like. But Jesus, through these episodes, we get a picture of him that says, it doesn't mean we don't change. It doesn't mean we're not called into discipleship. But it says to all of us, forgiveness is mine to give, not yours to earn. The implications of that truth are far-reaching. We admit and confess that we are broken. But in that moment, we are met with his merciful Gaze, there are all sorts of implications, I think, but I think the one I would like to invite us into this morning is very simply to hear the good news as new news again. Maybe you've been around church for a long time. Maybe faith has sort of been in and out of your life. Maybe the life of discipleship is a road you have walked for some time. I I think we're confronted in this portrait of Jesus with an invitation to hear the good news as new news, again, to remember that forgiveness is rooted in who he is more than it is in your performance, on your best days or your worst. Wherever you are in relationship to that story, our hope at Park City is that from week to week, as you sing, as you have conversations with others, as we reflect on Scripture, you will be drawn into, caught up like Matthew and his friends, caught up in this story, a person so compelling who calls to you to trust him, to admit your own brokenness and trust him. And in that moment, hear the good news, perhaps as new news again. I I want to invite you guys to stand with me. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close with a song. And Clint will come and dismiss us with a benediction. I read another observation about the Super Bowl ads uh, from last weekend, and it was the prevalence of, of celebrities, right? Like old celebrities, celebrities, but they were often depicted as like it was sort of a cultural, the joke's on you, right? Like they were in situations like Ben Affleck dancing in his Dunkin' Donuts suit or uh, Tom Brady, like, you know, I don't know what he was doing off in the corner. But uh, this, this sort, of, sort of poking the finger at, like, you guys are broken too, right? Like a cultural sort of, look at these guys. We think they have it all together, but he's clearly out of touch, which is an interesting, I think, move and perhaps the invitation Jesus extends to all of us in this good news wherever we are in relation to it, maybe broken like the paralytic man, or maybe uh, like Matthew, we see something compelling in him, but you know, and we wanna follow Maybe like his friends, we're like, not sure, but something about this guy is, you know, compelling. Or maybe we're like the religious leaders, like, man, who does this guy think he is to even suggest that I would need forgiveness. Wherever we are in that story, that you will hear the good news as new news this morning and make the confession. Make the confession that my life is not as together as I want people to think or even as I myself believe. And Jesus sees all of that and still still offers forgiveness. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you this morning acknowledging that all of us are in a different place in our relationship to faith, to church, and to to you. God, they're like the people in this story, uh, we've all had different experiences, oftentimes disparate, just, you know, all over the map, and uh, yet to each of us, Jesus, you, your posture, as we see through these episodes, is characterized by mercy and forgiveness, and so I pray that uh, in each of our hearts and lives this morning we would be able to hear again and make the confession that forgiveness is yours to give and you have offered it to us and consequently it is not ours to earn. So whatever weight or burden we have come into this place with this morning, I pray that we would encounter you and meet you as mighty to save. Jesus, that we would experience your gracious character and it would change us. We would be drawn into a life of following not to earn anything jesus but because of your grace to us we ask all of this in your name amen thank you for listening to the park city church podcast to learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc